Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. Thank you. Wow, it's good to see you. It, it really is. It's, it's so good to see you. And today, what I want to do is I want to introduce you to some great friends, some leaders of ours from Foursquare Germany. And so all of our leaders from Foursquare Germany will stand up wherever you are so we can see where you're at. Maybe you're out looking at the classrooms. Where they're, oh, they all went, oh, they're right there. They ran back in. Look at Look how diligent. Come on, keep coming. There you go. Hey. Yeah, you guys didn't tell me you left the building. It makes sense. You've heard this like three times already. So it's good. It's so good. It's so good to have our friends from Germany. And we're excited. Thank you for coming and hanging out with us. And now you're going to be walking kind of around the campus. Is that right? All right. Well, we want you to have a good time. And we're going to head out in a couple days to... Sun River, and we're going to do some training over there. We're going to learn from each other, have a great time. Jochen, my friend, uh, we've been friends for a long time now, was just appointed as the new president of uh, Germany Foursquare, or Foursquare Germany, however you want to put it. So, good. Thank you. Hey, you guys can take off now, all right? We're releasing you to go. Uh, how do you say leave now? Say it to him. Tell him to leave. You say it. I can't say that. All right. All right. Yeah, dear friends, great friends. And uh, you know what we want to do right now? We, we do not want to forget our wonderful community of Roseburg. And so I want us to take a little time and I want us to pray for the Roseburg community. We have, uh, we've been blessed by the gifts God has given us in the body of Christ that really reach out into community. And you send people from this church into community. And that's really exactly why uh, Chaplain Bill Roberts is in Roseburg. He was here this morning. He had been there for four days. He's leaving again Thursday. He's deployed with a team of chaplains that go in and spend time listening to the brokenness, the heartache, the tragedy. And this is all part of the mending. This is part of the healing. I asked Bill, I said, Bill, how can we pray for you guys? And he said, would you pray that the chaplains would just really have ears to hear uh, like God would hear, um, that they would have eyes to see like God would see, and you would just pray that those families would be mended and they would be comforted. And so uh, Bill is just a great gift to this church community and to the community at large. And so we just, want, we just thank the Lord for Bill. Bill and I have done things together before in this kind of area. And one of the things that we are doing on this team is we're also going in and spending time with first responders. Because oftentimes the first responders are overlooked in tragedies like this. And some of the things they have seen are horrific. Some of the things that they were the first to arrive and what their eyes saw and what they witnessed, uh, it, it can rattle. It can, it can shake it can shake a person to the foundation. And so we've been in, and they're in there right now, spending time with first responders. And so you could pray for our first responders. Pray for their families. We want to continue to do that. Bill and I actually took a trip to Katrina, and we spent time with first responders there for about a week. And so I know how important this is, how deep this goes, and so you want to pray for Bill. We have another pastor who's in the middle of the community there, really in the center of what's going on, Pastor Tim Pollison. 
Some of you remember Tim. Tim was a youth pastor here at New Life Foursquare Church, had a job transfer back to the East Coast of Kentucky, called me and said, Ron, we need to have a church like New Life here in Berea, Kentucky. And so what we ended up doing is we ended up um, ascending a team, a team of about 50 or 60, picked up from this church and moved to Kentucky. And many of them are still there now. That church is thriving. I was there about a year ago. They've planted two churches out of this church. Tim is in Roseburg. He is a pastor in Roseburg. And he really, uh, I asked him, Tim, how do we pray? How do we pray for you? He said, would you pray this way? Would you pray that the barriers that, is, uh, that have stood between um, academia and the church community would be broken? And uh, those are significant barriers. Those are significant barriers. And so we want to do that today. And if you would with me, just bow your heads. We're going to pray over the Roseburg community, over first responders, over the healing process. Father, we just right now... <clears throat> Uh, bring two men to you that are on the forefront of what's happening in the aftermath of a horrific tragedy that took place in one of our really sister cities in Roseburg. And so we pray that you would give them confidence, give them eyes to see, ears to hear, that they can be good listeners, that the walls, the barriers between academia and, uh, and the church community would, would be broken, that there is one effort, one heart, and that your Holy Spirit would just uh, breathe on lives that that so desperately need to be healed, that need comfort, that need peace. Lord, we pray for the first responders that have uh, gotten on to scene, uh, EMTs, police officers, firefighters. Lord, we pray for their well-being and their peace of mind and their family. We pray over them in Jesus' name. And we all say together, we say together, amen. Thank you for your prayers. Continue to pray for them. We're in a study titled, When God Moves, and it's out of one of the most exciting books in the Bible, and we're going to be talking about one of the most exciting chapters in one of the most exciting books in the Bible, and that's Acts chapter 2 today. So if you would do this, open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, we have these blue Bibles that are scattered around this sanctuary here, and we want you to do something. If you literally don't have a Bible, we want you to take this Bible, make it yours. We want the Word of God in your hands. We want the Word of God in your heart. And so take this Bible and start to study it. I tell everybody, where do I, when they ask me, where do I begin? I say, start in the Gospel of Mark. It's great. It's action-packed. Start there. So start reading God's, God's Word. The second thing I want you to do is pull out your bulletin. And on the back, uh, there is a, a, a notes that you can follow, uh, follow along you can fill in the blanks. So take those two things and put them together, and let's see what God does. Let's see what God does today. My uh, grandson, my youngest grandson, he's four years old, rough and tumble kid. I mean, he loves everything, cars and trucks. I mean, that's his life. That's all he talks about. When he comes over to our house, he has a favorite truck that he plays with. And one day he got that truck out, and he was playing with it or trying to play with it, and it just wasn't doing what he wanted it to do. It wasn't working the way he wanted it to work. And so he took it. You could see frustration. He started kind of banging it on the floor, started pushing all the buttons, tried to try all the levers. It just wasn't working. And he got exasperated. He looked at me and he says, Papa, it won't work. It won't work. And I said, bring it here. Let me look at it. So I opened it up, and guess what? No batteries. It's not going to work. It doesn't matter how hard he bangs that thing. It doesn't matter all the buttons that he wants to push. It is not going to work without power. It's not going to work without the batteries. My wife, 
She's notorious for jumping in a car and wanting to take a trip with little to no gas in the gas tank. Now, she's not here today, so I'm talking about her, man. I'm just going to do it. I'm just doing it. But she'll do that. She'll just jump in the car, and, and the last thing she's thinking about is fuel. And I'm saying, where are you going? She says, well, I'm headed to Portland. Do you know that the fuel light's on? I don't care. You know, I'm going to go to Portland. That's where I'm going to go. I said, you'll run out of gas. You won't have any fuel. How many know this? How many know that it's so difficult when you face life challenges, especially when you're running empty? How many know that when you're running on empty, we find ourselves just facing these challenges and we feel depleted? We, we just feel like we're exhausted. We feel like we don't have the, the batteries. We, we're kind of doing things in life and we're just saying to God, it don't work. It don't work. Listen, I know what it's like, especially when you're looking at cir- cir- circumstances, situations. Moms and dads that are raising young kids. I mean, you just feel tired. I mean, you're raising these families. There's a baby crying at 2 in the morning. You, you, you tend to that baby. You got to get up at 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning. You're tired. You feel like you're running on empty. Maybe it has to do with a difficult relationship. Difficult relationships are draining. Even if we're not present in the middle of the conflict, they're just in the back of our minds. There just seems to be something always turning in the back of our minds when we're facing a tough relational challenge. And it can drain us. I mean, it can suck the juice right out of us. Maybe it's work and you're, you're self-employed and you're waiting for that next job. I mean, you have one more, but after that it goes empty, it goes dry, and you're thinking, oh my gosh. And there's just a drain on your life. These are things that can really take our strength away. And this is why Acts chapter 2 is so important to us. It's why we need to know what Acts chapter 2 says. Acts chapter 2 shows us that we have a power source greater than ourselves. That Acts chapter 2 wasn't just for those in the early church, but it was written for who? It was written for you. It's just not a book about history. It's not a book just about theology. It's a book about uh, what God's Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives today. It was written for you. You can make Acts chapter 2 and the whole book of Acts. You can make it your story. I love this. And I want you to look at something because something amazing and incredible happens when God moves in this passage of Scripture. What we know is the disciples waited in the upper room. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And we want to find out what happened after that. I mean, once they were filled with the Holy Spirit, what took place? So the question is this. Why is the power of the Holy Spirit so important for us today? Now, to get a key or a clue, I want you to look at verse 14. Acts 2, verse 14. It says this. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. This amazing thing has just happened. I mean, these people have been filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and now there's an explanation needed. I mean, people are going, what in the world has just happened? And what we see here is we see Peter standing up. So here it is. Fill this in. After being filled up, You need to stand up. After being filled up, expect God's Holy Spirit to say to you, now stand up. And that's exactly what happens with Peter. He stands up. It's to make known God. 
It's to make known his wonders. It's not to give us the, the shivers or the warm tinglys. That's all wonderful. That's all wonderful. But usually when people talk about the Holy Spirit, I hear all that attached to it, and that's great. But that's not the reason you're being filled with the Holy Spirit. You're being filled with the Holy Spirit so you can stand up and be his witness in the world that you live in. It's to, it's to bring the good news. But when you have an experience with the Holy Spirit, again, get ready because after he fills you with the Holy Spirit, he's going to say it's time to stand up. You need to be my witness. I gave you this power for a reason. We need to know the reason is so that we can be witnesses for Jesus Christ. You know, a survey was done, um, it wasn't too long ago, but they brought in 10 people. Uh, and, and nine of these 10 people were in on the survey. Uh, they, they, were, they were fakers. They were plants in the survey. The 10th person was just kind of like off the street. And what they did is they sat these 10 people down and they brought out a piece of rope, probably, oh, 8 to 10 inches, and they put that piece of rope in front of everyone that was in that room. So they went to the first person and they put that 10-inch piece of rope in front of that first person and they asked the question, how long is that rope? And the first person said, it's 3 inches. Obviously wrong. And they took it to the second person. Now all these people are in on it. And they asked the second person, how long is this rope? It's three inches. They went all the way down the line. All nine of those that were in on the, the survey said it was three inches. They go to the tenth person who's not in on the gig here, and they ask that person, how long is that piece of rope? What do you think they said? 75% of the people in that room said three inches. Even though they knew in their heart, they knew the facts, the truth was, it was 10 inches. So why? Why does that happen to us? The reason is, is because we would rather go with the crowd and agree than stand up for the truth. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our life because He gives us that something that says, you know what, God's behind me. It doesn't matter what the crowd is saying. It doesn't matter where the crowd is going. I choose to stand up and speak the truth. Now listen, you don't have to be a loud mouth. You don't have to be obnoxious. What you need to do is you just need to stand up. And you need to stand up for the truth of God and what he's done in your life. Now I love what it says here in verse 14. It says, after Peter stood up, what else happened? This is so great. The other 11 they stand up. Listen, sometimes when you stand up, I mean, you take that first step of courage, you're wondering, oh my gosh, am I walking out on a limb? You may be. But what's so great about it is there are other people who stand up with us. When we think we're alone, when we think we're by ourselves, there are people around that will stand up with us. Elijah thought he was the only one. He thought he was the only one. If you go back to 1 Kings 19, he thought he was the only one standing up for God. And God says, no, 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 no. Man, there are like 7,000 others that are standing up for me. And that's what happens here. We see this amazing thing. Now, here is the key. There is power in simply telling his story. There is power in his story and how his story has changed everything in your life. That you, you, you've experienced the power of Jesus Christ. You've experienced the power of his resurrection. That's exactly what Peter's talking about here. He stands up, and what does he do? 
he tells the story of Jesus because it's a powerful thing. And he says, this is the story of Jesus, and I have been affected. I've been changed by this story that Jesus has changed my life. You know, I have people ask me, they'll say this, well, what should I tell people? I mean, what should I tell people in my family? You know, what should I tell people at work when they ask me? Listen, let me tell you this. Tell them his story and how his story changed you. Tell them. Tell them that. Because I'll tell you, one of the things that is diminished, one of the things that I think the enemy has, has, has told us is that our story really doesn't matter. And actually, your story is one of the most powerful influences on the people around you. Your friends, both saved, unsaved, your community. It is your story, and we've muted ourselves. What we need to do is understand here is we can stand up and we can tell our story. Listen to what Peter said after he was filled and he stood up. It says this in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be sure of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What is it we should do here? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will, be, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Pastor Dave last week talked about the message, the whole message. I'm coming back a little bit and referring to places here that are so important. People, people and they, they, we need to understand what God is doing here. Peter's telling the story of Jesus. There were no great illustrations. There were no props. There was no background music. There was no bulletins. There were no cushy chairs. There was no one cleaning up after us. There were no pancakes. None. What does Peter do? He steps up and he tells the story of Jesus. And that is a powerful thing. It is one of the most powerful things on this planet. You know what happens when you tell the story of Jesus and how Jesus changed your life? It gets through all cultural fog. It cuts through racial barriers. It cuts through the gender barriers. It cuts through the generational barriers. It cuts through all of that. Tell your story. Tell others what Jesus has done in your life. And so what happens here? When they asked, what is it we should do? They were cut to the heart. And Peter says this, hey, you need to repent and you need to be baptized. Now, repentance means this. Very simple. It means to make a decision to change direction. That's what it means. So I think I'm right here. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I think that way is north. Am I correct? Or pretty close? That way is not. You're not answering me. So that means you don't know. I mean, everybody's just staring at me. Am I? Am I? Is that north? Kevin, is that north? That's north. That was close. All right. That way is north. All right. So if I want to go to Portland, I typically would head north if that's where I want to get. And if I'm going south, which direction am I going if I want to go to Portland? I'm going in the wrong direction. I'm not going in the right direction. You know, if you're in a car and you got your little GPS, and I have to admit, sometimes this is so annoying to hear the voice say to you, when that voice on that little phone knows you're going in the wrong direction, and they say to you, at the next left, please take a U-turn. The next left, please take a U-turn. The next left, please take a U-turn. And it's like, ah! You know what we need to hear? That's what repentance is. What we need to do is we need to take a U-turn and head toward Jesus. 
And that what we need to hear is that the next left, the next intersection, and today might be one of those days for you. You need to take a U-turn and repent and follow Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. He said we need to repent. We need to go the direction of Christ. And then he says this, be baptized. I love this. Be be baptized simply means to be immersed in water. Now when he says repent and be baptized, listen to what he says after that. What does he say? Repent and be baptized. And I love this. It says, if you go a little further, it says every one of you. Every one of you. Now, you, you can bet that they were astounded. I mean, everyone up in that upper room and on the streets of Jerusalem, when they heard their tongue, their native natural language, they were amazed. They were awe-stricken. They were shocked. But what could have been equally as shocking is when Peter said, every one of you, all of you, be, uh, repent and be baptized. Why? If you're hearing this through a Jewish ear, if you're filtering it through their culture, You didn't get baptized unless you were a Jewish convert. That means if you were converting to Judaism, you would go into what's called a mikvah. And that was the sign of your conversion to Judaism. And so what does Peter do? He blows the box off this. He takes the lid off this. And I'm thinking these people are going, what did he just say? What did he just say? Did he say everyone? Did he say all? The answer is yes. And this is the tenacity of God to get to every culture, to every person, to every language, to tear down barriers. He's saying, everyone, repent and be baptized. I love that. That's how much God loves you. This would have been shocking to the hearers of that day. Peter is saying, every one of you. And I think you can hear this. He's implying this. He's saying, I don't care who your mom is. I don't care who your dad is. I don't care who your grandparents are. I don't care if you're related to a rabbi. If you have high esteem in this religious order, I don't care. And it doesn't matter what heritage you have. Coming to Jesus is a decision you have to make. That's what he's doing. He's saying it's a decision that we have to make. Peter's saying this is for everyone. That the story of Acts is your story. And not only for you, but for your children and all those who are far off. I love that. I love that. And you know what? You are a product. You're the fruit of that promise that was given 2,000 years ago. You're here today because they took this seriously. You're here today because they trusted God. Because they knew that there were going to be people they would never meet that were far off in another generation, in another land, in another time that would come to repent and be baptized. I love that. And that's why it's so important for us to talk about discipleship and making disciples that make disciples. How many generations are we removed from not seeing disciples made? One. Just one. One forgets. One drops the ball. And that's the problem. What we're here to say is we're saying that this is something that in the book of Joel's promise, Peter preaches on it. And he's saying, listen, this is not just for you and for you to experience this. This is for your children. This is for your grandchildren. This is for those that you don't even know. I thank the Lord for, for my grandma. God rest her soul. Man, she's a great lady. Man, she's just a great lady. She, she'd pray for me all the time. She had reason to pray for me all the time. But she'd pray for me all the time and she wouldn't just like pray pray she would pray and cry tears you know and she would just pray 
She's gone today. She's with Jesus right now. And I know sometime down the road, I'm going to be with her. I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus, but I want to hang out with her because she's a great lady. She prayed me into the kingdom. She prayed me. She, she's not here to witness what's going on now. But listen, that's the power of what Peter is saying here. This is for all of us. So let me do this. Let, let, let's keep in spirit with what Peter's saying here. You're invited to know Jesus today. If you don't know Jesus, you're invited to, to repent, to, to stop going south and make a U-turn and go north. That's what he's saying here. You're invited to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I love what Pastor Dave Metzger is doing. Uh, 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 during the week on Wednesday, they're, they're, uh, Pastor Dave is leading a class on Holy Spirit baptism. I was around the campus this Wednesday night, and you know what I did? It was so cool. I had a blast. I just walked around the campus. I walked through the parking lot, and I just, I just prayed over all the cars that were there because I figured they represented all the people, you know, and families. It was kind of a walk-by, not a drive-by, but a walk-by, pray over the cars, you know, and if anything's missing from your car, it wasn't me. I don't know who it was. It's not me. But I went around and just started praying over all the cars and saying, God, would you, just, would you just fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you just do a work in our lives? And, and I went over to Dave's class, and it's just brimming, and I went to a few other classes, and it's just brimming. Listen, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing is really water baptism. He says, hey, you need to get baptized in water. If you're a follower of Jesus... Then, then the outward expression of what's happened in your heart is water baptism, and that's huge. Because I can tell you this. Let me say this to you, and this is just from experience. I know this. If you accept Jesus in your heart and you put off water baptism, oh, for a year or two, and then you start to justify, I don't really need, you know, it's been a while, I've known Jesus. The further you get from that point that you were, the, the iron was hot, the less likely you are to be baptized in water. You can't believe all the things that I hear. Well, I, I'd get baptized, but I, you know, I've known Jesus now for 10 years. Yeah, but that's why you got to do it. Or I'll hear people say, you know, I really, I, I'd, get, I'd get baptized, but if it wasn't so public. That's water baptism. It's public. That's the whole idea of water baptism. Sorry, you know, you don't, I don't know what to say to that one because I'm saying that's why you're doing this. What you're doing is you're declaring to the public that you are not a closet follower, that you are a public follower of Jesus Christ. That's what water baptism's about. That's why I love new believers. I, I just the other day just talked to a few, and they just got you know they just got saved, man, and they were just excited. And they're looking at me. What do I do? What do I do? I wish you guys would ask that question sometimes. You know, man, I don't know. Maybe, you know, no, that's a great question. Every day, every day in my walk, I should be saying, God, what do I do? God, what are you, where are you leading me? What do you have me do? They're coming to me and saying, hey, what do I do? And I'm saying, well, the next step, you need to get baptized in water. All right, let's do it. Where is there a river? Do we go out now? Where, do we, where are the towels? Do I need any towels? What do I do? They, this is serious stuff. A new believer will just say, let's do it, man. Where can we do this? The longer that you've been in faith and enculturated into the Christian community, the, the, the more difficult and the more barriers you create in justifying why water baptism isn't that important. It is important. It's a declaration of me being a follower of Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, October 24th and 25th, if you need to sign up, that's when we're doing it. 
So look at what it says here. Life application question. Where is God asking you to have courage? Where do you need to stand up? Where is it that you need to go to right now? Is it in a relationship? Is it with your family? Is it something at work? Is it, is it dealing with, hey, I have never come to faith in Christ. Well, here's your chance. It's to stand up and say, God, I humble myself. Give me the courage to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe it's Holy Spirit baptism. You've never done that. You've never even looked at it. You've just heard it's kind of weird. Listen, it's in the Bible. So stand up and look at it. Stand up and pay attention to what the Scripture says. Maybe it's water baptism, and you're like some of the people I describe. I don't know. I'll get wet. Yeah, you will get wet. All the way wet. Stand up. Have the courage to walk the way that Jesus wants us to walk. So here it is. After being filled and standing up, the next question is, how do I stay connected to the power source? How do I stay connected to the Holy Spirit? I'll tell you, this is amazing because the disciples knew how to do this. They knew what to do. You know, they could have kept all this to themselves. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm thinking, man, in an egocentric society we live in, I'm not so sure the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the power of God would have gotten out much further because we'd have liked to say, hey, man, this is cool. We're keeping this to ourselves. They didn't do that. They saw these incredible things. They saw tongues of fire. They heard something that sounded like a mighty rushing wind. They didn't keep it to themselves. But they knew they had to stay connected to the power source, the Holy Spirit. And they did this. They did this so well. And it's found in one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. That's Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. So what do they do here? They knew how to do it. And here's how they knew how to do it. By practicing every day a devoted life. By practicing every day a devoted life. Not uh, every other day. Or not taking Saturdays off to party. You know, say, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be devoted, but Saturdays, that's my day. You know, I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. No, that's not what it says here. It says, every day, practice a devoted life. And in these verses, verses 42 through 47, that's what it says here. That's what it teaches us. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I love that. I love that last part. Because in one of the comments here in uh, chapter 2, is it says, And 3,000 were added to the church that day. That's the first uh, incident we have of ushers counting. That's the first time we know that ushers went around and said, okay, you, 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 3,000. Whoa, that's a lot of people. That's, and so the, the church was added to daily. So here's the deal. What we have a tendency to do, listen to me carefully here, what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to say, well, Jesus is in my heart. I'm good to go. I got Jesus. I got it. I got him. Like, you know, putting him in your... And, and what, what we're saying when we say this, I, I've got fire insurance. I don't think I'm going to go to hell. I don't know. But that's about as far as that commitment goes. 
Well, I got Jesus. I got Jesus. Can I tell you what the real question is? The real question is, does Jesus got you? That, that's actually the real question. That's the most important question. Does he have you? Does he have a hold of you? Have you let him get a hold of you? Jesus isn't something you just kind of add on. It's not something you say, oh, I'll stick Jesus in my back pocket. Man, we'll have a good time. That's not what he's saying here. Devoted means that Jesus has got a hold of me. And I'm compelled to follow him. That's what it means. That's what a devoted life means. And I've heard people say this as well. I've heard people say, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. Well, good for you. Good. So do I. But the question isn't, do you got the Holy Spirit? Does the Holy Spirit got you? Does the Holy Spirit have a hold of your life 24-7? See, we get things a little reversed here. When we talk about, I've got it, it's kind of like an ownership thing. Like, oh, I own him and I'll let him in whenever I want, you know, here and there. When Jesus, when the Holy Spirit has a hold of you, your life radically changes. Your life absolutely changes and it changes forever. There is a huge difference between devoted and just a one-time experience. Devoted means he's got me. Experience means I've got him. I want to give you six qualities of a devoted life out of verses 42 through 47. These are real quick. Six qualities that you see in these few verses. Number one is this, learning more about God. That's what they did. They came together to learn more about God. You see where it says the apostles' doctrine, and that can kind of sound a little heavy and theological. You know what it means? It means that it was just general teaching, that they would come together. They would probably teach a little out of the Old Testament. They would probably sing a few songs together. They would probably talk about life experience, what they were facing. This is what it means to learn more about God and the relationship that he has with us. The second is fellowship with one another. They were growing with one another. And listen, and almost always, it almost always involved hospitality. Notice where it says breaking of bread. Some some theologians will say, well, that's just communion. No, it's not. It's breaking of bread. It it could include communion, but it's having a meal with people. It's being in communion and hospitality, sharing meals with one another. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. Life groups is one of the things that you can do here. You can be together, share life together. You know, I have a dear friend that I want uh, you to meet. He, he's just great, Rob Gage. Rob, come on up here. And one of the things that I love about here, you got to know this about Rob. You know, the pa- how many ate pancakes today? You eat pancakes? Come and eat some. Some of you did. Some of you are too tired to raise your hand because you ate so many pancakes. We had pancakes today, and because of the, we found out that the women being gone really leave a lot of, we're, we're pretty bad. And so, so he, he comes in at like, like 6 this morning to get ready for you to have pancakes because he's the guy in charge. He and his wife, Patty, love, love hospitality. And, uh, and they're such a gift to us. And I, and I thought, man, I, wanna, I want people to hear about Rob and, and Patty's heart and why that's uh, so important. Why, tell me a little bit about your journey in hospitality. Why is that so important to you? Well, on the subject of life groups, um, it's, it's all important. I mean, Patty and I are pretty hospitable people. We've mm-hmm. been told that. And mm-hmm. We smile a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, usually you're kind of like labeled when you're like us. But, um, you know, the Lord, Lord uh, called us to open our home. 
And it was a pretty dramatic moment, and, and I didn't want to. And he said, yes, you will. And he lifted all my anxiety off and, and just um, we opened up our home. And we put a sign, actually, in the front of the house down in California, uh, professional. I had a professional sign made, got permission from the church to use the logo. And starting on October something, Life Group from, it was a new life church in, mm, in uh, Alamo, California. Good name. And, and uh, our neighbors came, and, and uh, they continue, actually, to host it in their home today. That was uh, about four years ago. But um, um, we, uh, besides enjoying having people in our home, we... We're blessed uh, in our home because of the really the residue of the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. and and there's there's a lot of joy and there's a lot of we've had a lot of healing activities and purging activities and the Holy Spirit has just hung out mm -hmm. in all of our homes mm -hmm. and Patty and I have always felt that our homes have been sanctuary and and we love sharing that. And you get blessed just even more than... The presence of God is just so enriching. And, and you know, I don't, I don't have, you know, perfect day every day. And I had a rotten one yesterday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I came home and I came inside and, and the joy of the Lord was in my home. Mm -hmm. and, and I look forward to that. Mm -hmm. And if I can do anything that would continue that, I would. And I think that opening it up is part of that. Wow. Well, tell me about a time in your life where a life group helped you, encouraged you? What, tell me something. Well, that, uh, um, we get encouraged every, every, every week with our, our life group, and, and we just love seeing people share. But one of the thoughts that I had in particular when Pastor Ron posed this question to me was, was uh, down south, and, and uh, my mother had a, uh, what ended up being a fatal stroke. Um, uh, it was the day of life group, and, and um, uh, about an hour before. So I was home getting ready and, and uh, got the call, and so I, oh my gosh, what do I do now? So I called somebody in the group. I said, I got a situation. And so he came to the house, and I assumed that he would sit there and wait for everybody to arrive, and they would you know, pray and go on their way. And, and uh, so I went down to the hospital, and I was in the ER for a couple hours, and I, I, I literally came out and to go to the bathroom. And, and, and the whole life group was out there in the waiting room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was one of those dramatic things because I didn't expect it, first of all, uh, but the fact that they'd been there for a couple of hours was just uh, mind-blowing to me. Wow. And, and they were just there hanging, waiting, and praying. And, and it was just everything. And, and we weren't the only benef benefactors of, uh, benefactors? Yeah, Beneficiaries of, course, yeah. of that kind of gesture. Um, that happened continually and continues to happen. Uh, in and around, you know, all these new relationships, these new godly relationships that we love forming. Wow. I mean, that was a tremendous, tremendous moment. Rob and Patty are just such incredible gifts to us. Don't you like this guy? Oh. I mean, I like this guy. He's a good guy. And uh, we're so thankful. I know Annette and I are for the relationship and what God has done. And you can just... That every time you're around Rob and Patty, you just feel welcomed. And what I think they exude is really that spirit and heart of hospitality. And I think that's the gift that God wants to give his whole church, is that when people are in our presence, we do feel invited. We do feel welcomed. And I'm so thankful. Um, I'm so thankful I'm on their team. And that's been a, a great thing. Again, uh, let Rob know you love him. Appreciate him. Thank you, brother. Love you. Good day. Okay. Thank you. I, I told Rob this last service, I'm going to say it again. I said, man, uh, when I hugged him, I didn't smell, uh, smell any Chanel. I just smelled like pancakes. 
you know, like syrup, maple syrup. Um, but listen, they're just wonderful people. And, and, with the, and really, this is what we want to continue to communicate. Just breaking a bread, hospitality, being involved, serving one another. Uh, share your resources. That's what's part, what part of this is. It's sharing your resources. It's giving to others that, that, that they, they might have, not have certain things. I've heard theologians actually call this passage of Scripture a great blueprint for communism. You know, I've heard that before, and I'm thinking, oh, come on, get out of it. You know what it is? It's communism. That's what's happening here. It's communism. That's what's taking place. They had all things in common. Here's another one, worshiping God, going to the temple daily. Uh, we do it once a week, maybe once a month, however often people show up. We come here to do it. It's valuable that we get together and we worship God and we hear God's teaching and the teaching from God's word and we go back out into community. Then there's prayer, praying for one another. How important is that? I mean, I want to continue to develop my prayer life, but can I say this to you? If you're here today and you need prayer, then, 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 then ask. Say, I need, I need someone to pray for me. There'll be people around this building that will do that, but there are people right around you that will do that as well. That you have to be able to say, golly, I'm really going through a hard time. This is really tough. I need someone to pray for me. There will be people that will pray for you. And the other side of this, be sensitive. If you're sitting around people and you just sense in your heart that you need to pray for the person next to you or in front of you or behind you, please follow that. Because I can tell you that's not your pizza that you had last night. I can tell you that that really is the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Just say, I need to be courageous. I need to humble myself and do that. That's the flow of God's Holy Spirit. That's how he works. Here's another one. It's power serving. It can be called in other places power ministries. That's where people are getting healed. That's where miraculous is happening. That's where provision in miraculous ways is taking place. I rephrased it to say power serving because that's exactly what happens when you're praying for miracles in other people's lives. When you're praying for someone to be healed because the Bible says go and pray for those that are sick, you expect God to come through, but you're serving that person. You're saying, I want to pray over you. And what happens in serving people by having the faith to step out and say, I'm going to pray for something that seems like over the top. I'm going to pray for something that seems like it's a miracle. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. What happens is you're serving that individual, but you're glorifying God as well. That's what's happening. This is what the testimony, our testimony can look like. And then here's the last one. And we've called it around here. If you've been around here for a while, it's called Living Sideways. It's, it's outreach. It's outreach. And here's where outreach starts. Here's where Living Sideways starts. It starts with your neighbor. It starts with the people who are right in your life, who live next door to you. It starts there. Because I, Can I tell you where I think the world probably is the most critical of the church? The world is probably most critical of the church in this particular area in that when we have the person right in front of us, we're always looking over the tops of their heads saying, oh, let's go over here, over there. And they're, they're looking at us going, no, I'm right here. I have a need. Can you help me? Can you talk to me? Can you share life with me? Wow. That's living sideways. Who's in your life right now? Do you know your neighbors? Remember in Bible college, we always used to get people say, they would say, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to be a missionary in Nigeria. I'm going to be a, a missionary in Asia. I'm going to be, and then, then I would even be asking them this. is when I, I said, well, have you shared your faith with, you know, your, your next door neighbor in your apartment? No, 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 I, that's not my, I'm going, to, I'm going to Nigeria. 
Can I say this? If you cannot share your faith, your life, with the person next to you, you'll never be good in Nigeria. You'll never be good anywhere. Because it starts at home. It's right here. It's living sideways with the people. Don't look over the tops of the heads of the people that God has put in your life today, right now. They're there for a reason. God has them there for a reason. Here's the life application question. Where do you need to connect or reconnect with the power source of the Holy Spirit? Where is it? And you can go and use the grid that we just talked about. Do you, you, you lose your passion for God? Uh, I need to learn more about God. Maybe it's there. Uh, maybe it's being connected in fellowship with one another. Uh, it could be worshiping God here together. It can be in prayer. It can be trusting God for power ministry, for power serving the people around you. And it's living sideways. It's outreach. Where is it that you need to connect or reconnect? And this is a great grid in verses 42 through 47. Here is the life application question again. Where do you need to connect or reconnect? Where is it? Would you do this? Would you just pray and put that before the Lord and ask Him, where is this? Where do I need to connect or reconnect? Would you bow your head with me just for a moment? And we're going to finish our time together. And uh, when we do that, I'm just going to ask this question. Do you, are you here? Do you need to change direction? You heard me talk earlier about, <clears throat> you know, if, if my destiny is north and I'm going south, then I, I, something needs to change. And typically that means that I need to do a U-turn. I need to turn back and go the other way. And, uh, and if you're here and you know that, you, I mean, you're going, you know this, you're going in the opposite direction of Jesus. I mean, I've done that. I've been there. I know what that's like. What the Bible says here and what Peter's saying is, okay, repent. That means just turn around and go the other direction. Go toward him and not away from him. And if you're here with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, and you know you need to go in the uh, reverse course, you need to take a U-turn and head toward Jesus. Would you lift your hand? I'm just going to pray for you too. Good. Just say, yep, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Great steps. Great steps. Making a U-turn. Begin to put yourself in those places that we've just talked about here to live that devoted life. There'll be people around here to pray. Listen, if you're making a decision to follow Jesus today, you've never done that before, I want you to come and talk to me. We can talk. I'd love to talk to you. God's good. He's doing good things. Father, thank you. Thank you for your good work in our lives and all that you do. Just continue to fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff, along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.